0: We have weekly engaging conversations with today's most influential thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they discuss their successes, failures, tipping points, and other priceless information that you can apply immediately after listening. And welcome to the show, good to have you right here. It is Ambitious Radio, hosted by our friend Doug Parker, talking about entrepreneurship and leadership while interviewing interesting people and what makes them ambitious. Now, you know the show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. You know, most of the time, small business owners need to personally guarantee any loans that their companies take out. That can be kind of tough to do if you have credit issues. So if you have less than perfect credit, go to repairmycreditnow.com for a free credit report evaluation. Repairmycreditnow.com. Doug, what do we have going on today?
1: Today we've got another exciting guest. We've got Miss Judy Robinette, and Judy is the author of How to Become a Powerful Connector, and it's a it's really one of the one of the best business books out there. It Was actually recognized by Inc. Magazine as the number one business book in 2014, and it really uh, was described, uh, you know, by Bloomberg as a uh, basically how to become a super connector. I mean, literally, uh, she has uh, over 30 years of entrepreneurial experience and numerous connections. Uh, and keen strategy, uh, just really just does a fantastic job. Judy, you are doing a great work. Thank you
2: so much i'm I'm so happy to have you on the show. what What did I leave out on the intro there? Oh, you know, probably the only thing is that if people watch the movie Napoleon Dynamite, that's where I'm from. I'm uh, from a little tiny town in in Idaho, really, yeah.
1: Interesting, interesting. So, you know, I, I that doesn't get referenced very often on this show, Napoleon Dynamite. Um, but, uh, but, hey, there's always a little curveball out
2: there, so that's cool. So what was it like growing up
1: out in, in that area?
2: Well, you know, it, it actually was pretty hard for me. My dad had retired from the military and moved me to this town of 400, and, you know, everybody there was uh, same religion, same color, uh, but but I loved it because I love the mountains and like today right now I'm in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I've been uh, out watching baby bison and and antelope just you know with careless abandon out playing in the meadows.
1: Oh my goodness, yeah, that's quite quite a difference. Now you say you went somewhere. It didn't sound like there was a lot of diversity. There was you said 400 people was in the town. That's pretty small.
2: Yeah yeah, uh, and all white. Uh, and, and I didn't fit in honestly, I was one of the only kids in town, probably the only kid in town that wasn't you know mormon and and it was difficult because having been in the uh, my dad in the military, I, I went to private kindergarten, I went to uh, schools that were on the base, and we had people that were black, Hispanic, Asian, everything, and so it was uh, it was a little difficult
1: so So you go through that process, you, you grew up there now what age was it that you moved you moved out there? 10. I was 10. Okay. So that, you know, that, that next, you know, five, six years, uh, that's a very influential time in, in, a, in a young person's life for sure. How, uh, how long were you there?
2: You know, I was there until I went to college. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing that was really interesting to me, I picked up on early uh, was people that are racist and, and bigots. Um, and, you know, mainly they weren't bad people, but they were. Uneducated, and they never live anywhere else, but in the same town they they grew up in. And so, you know, I've always uh, made it a point to make sure that I go out of my way uh, to work with people who are really having uh, difficulty, whether it's finding funded or getting the right connections because, you know, well, and I'm a woman, so I'm a minority too, but we're, we're kept out of that, you know, old boys club, and, and things have improved some, uh, but any, anyway, that's one of the critical things that I do with connecting people is just making things happen. And cause you can't do anything without people and the higher you go, it's where the money is, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and in this day and age, you know, you, you mentioned
1: it, it at that particular time and, you know, area that there was the the racial uh, issues and, and frankly, you know, it's always a tough conversation to, to have those kinds of things. And, and, you know, obviously in light of all, of, you know, what's going on in the world, you know, today uh, there's, there's still things to this very day and, and maybe, maybe more, maybe less, maybe different types of things are going on, but, but there are uh, those types of things. And, and, you know, you mentioned a kind of, I think it was like the ignorance or, or just not knowing, you know, not seeing from other people's perspective. Most of the time it's not, uh, that they're always necessarily bad people, you just don't always have an opportunity to see it through their eyes, if you will, and uh, we recently had a deal at our church that was just on that very thing bringing the different uh, ethnicities together and having the conversation and trying to to do it in a, in, in a little different view than what the world you know sees things but uh, but yeah that's that's great great information and and you know so so you, you grew up there, went off to college now where did you go to school?
2: I, I went actually not far from home. I went to Utah State University. You know, at the time, I didn't think I was smart, and so I just, <laughs> you know, I I don't know that I'd even heard of Harvard, but uh, so I, I went to Utah State, and um, you know, my first job was a, a social worker, and um, I, I then decided I would, you know, probably put a bullet through my head if I saw another kid uh, raped or beat, and uh, went back, got a master's in econ, and uh, you know, then kind of went off into the, the business world. Okay. All right. And, you know, so, so you, you said that, you you know, there was a time where you didn't
1: think you were very smart. Now I've, I've had a couple conversations with you, but relatively limited, but my, uh, you know, thoughts on you is that you're extremely intelligent and, uh, and educated as well. So, um, what, what types of things, you know, kind of led you to have those feelings, uh, and, and then, and then how did you progress through that? Because I, I I see you as a self-confident, you know, person now and a great communicator and and those types of things. So how did you
2: transition through that? Well, thanks. So, you know, as a, as a kid and kind of being an outsider, uh, I got bullied, uh, quite a bit in, in school and it, it kind of left me feeling that I was dumb, stupid, um uh, and you know so I, I didn't even realize until i was in my 30s i mean people kept saying to me you know wow you sh- you should have gone to harvard or or something and at first i kind of thought they were nuts but uh but i'm a voracious reader and i knew it was important to learn and so that was one of my saving graces that i really like to learn um and so so that was one of the ways Gotcha.
1: Well, so Voracious Reader, myself, I, I try to get through 30, 40, 50 books a year, but are, is there a, a favorite book that, that you recommend for for leaders or entrepreneurs or or something you're currently reading that you'd like to share with us?
2: You know, um, I read somewhere that the only way to understand human behavior is to read the Bible and Shakespeare. Uh, now, I, I had a dabbling of Macbeth in high school and a little bit, I think, a Hamlet in college, but I found a book How to Teach Your Children um, Shakespeare by Ken Follett. And I love that book. I've read it twice. I've actually started memorizing little sections out of of Shakespeare. And it's really intriguing to me how much of it on, you know, revenge and, and, you know, murder or whatever mimics what's going on. You know, just like we're seeing this horrific violence towards Blacks. Uh, you know, I think I told you Martin Luther King would turn over in his grave. I, I, it just makes me sick. But so I, I like that book. Um, and and I sure certainly uh, there's a, a great little book by Dan Sullivan called The Question. and And it really is mind changing. And what it says is if you and I were having this conversation three years from today, what would need to have happened for you to be happy personally and professionally? And then it is what specific uh, dangers um, do you need to deal with? What opportunities do you need to seize? And what strengths do you need to magnify? And, and that one, I think, is powerful. Um, and, and it helps you kind of take all the chaos and change and everything that's going on and, and focuses on what true success is. And I think it's happiness.
1: Absolutely. No, that's, that is great great information I really uh, you know I'm I'm jotting down these notes I often say that I look at this as a mentoring session for me and and I hope everyone that's listening does as well because it's it's great content great information and, and it really helps grow it's a little different format some people aren't re- some people aren't readers. Uh, you know, you hear the readers are leaders, and 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 trust me, I love to read. But when I say that, I really prefer to listen to books than I do to read them. But um, with that being said, we've got a, a program with Audible.com, and if if you uh, haven't taken advantage of it already, you can go to AmbitiousRadio.com, click on the banner there, and you can get two free books just for uh, subscribing there. So. Um, how about quotes? Are there any favorite quotes that you have?
2: Oh, yeah. So, Oprah, um, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And, and, you know, when I was younger, I used to think, you know, maybe I'm not communicating enough or, or this person, you know, in the corporate world needs training. And, and I found out it was just the tip of the iceberg that if I would have dealt with the problem right there or called a spade a spade, I would have been so much further ahead. And and I think being raised um, – you know, a cross between Southern Baptists and, and and Mormons. Of course, my dad marched me to the local church. I think he was afraid I'd grow up and be a hippie. Um, I was, you know, uh, very optimistic. You know, I believed in, you know, you turn the other cheek and you're, uh, you be kind and, and life was fair. And I quickly found out, you know, life can be very um, unfair.
1: You know, there's there's no question about it. Life, life can be unfair. And frankly, life is not fair. Uh, one of the things I have found in life, though, is that some of the things that I didn't think were fair at the time or why is this happened to me really has sharpened and conditioned and shaped me. Um, yes. you know, if, if you're not careful, I mean, you know, you can get negative and things about stuff. But if you if you don't allow it to have that type of an impact, I, I look for ways to, you know, have my Kids have more opportunities than i I've got a nineteen and a twenty one year old and uh, and and ultimately i've talked to some some folks that have been very successful and I'm like, hey, how do you do that? How do you give your kids more opportunities without um, the silver spoon you know mentality where where they don't you know, get that hardening that that in, in a good way that that helps you know mature you and and um, it's a, it's a delicate balance. It really it really really is. And and this is great information. You know, for our ambitious listeners, I appreciate you sharing it, uh, guys. If there's anything that we talk about today that you want to go back and reference, you can go to ambitiousradio.com. Look at the show notes uh, for Judy Robinette, and she again is the author of a fantastic book about connecting people. How To Be a Power Connector was Inc. Magazine's number one business book in 2014. And in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about her career pursuits and her experience of becoming an ambitious entrepreneur
3: right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. It's that time again, summertime. Kids are out of school, running around, having fun in the sun, leaving the doors open, trying to air condition the entire neighborhood. I just got my first electric bill of the summer, and it is double what it was a few months ago. I can't wait for these kids to go back to school.
4: Tired of paying outrageous electricity bills? Would you like to get a significant discount or get free electricity? Go to FreeElectricityDFW.com to compare our rates. Many of our clients are saving anywhere from 15 to 20%. 20%. We also have a referral program that allows you to earn free electricity. You cannot beat free cents per kilowatt. Switch and save with free electricity, dfw.com. That's free electricity, dfw.com. We offer free energy credits to customers who refer and activate 15 or more qualified customers for our electricity service and are not past due on their bill. To get your free energy credit, your customers must be referred through your free customer gathering website. See free for more details.
0: Back in here on the show. It's Ambitious Radio Network. Hey, are you thinking of expanding your business but don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a new phone system? Consider Grasshopper.com. You get to keep your existing number, you have multiple extensions, voicemails transcribed, and no new hardware. Grasshopper.com is the entrepreneur's phone system. Let's get back to the show with Doug Parker.
3: All right, we're
1: back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we've got Miss Judy Robinette. Welcome back. How are you, ma'am? I'm great. Very good. Well, in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about your professional adventures, some of the things that you've, uh, you've done in the past, and maybe what you're currently working on. I, I see that you obviously have the book, um, and it is, is done very, very well. Um, and you're also involved in Cracking the Funding Code, where you're kind of, you guys are startup advisors. Can you, can you share a little bit about that company and what you guys do?
2: Yeah, so you know, so many people uh, come to me for funding advice and I've helped a lot, you know, hundreds of people over the years. I finally decided uh that I could do groups of people and and teach them, you know, how to get in the right room and how to identify where the right funder is and then get the warm introduction. So we literally uh teach people how to be successful getting funded. Um, and that has been just, you know, great fun. And and I also work on larger deals individually with people and I sit on, you know, VC boards. So and that's going to be book number two is Crack the Funding Code. And then this started, honestly, because I was CEO of a, a public biotech company and I ended up giving speeches globally. And, and it really hurt my heart. I'd meet doctors, researchers who arguably had a cure for some type of cancer and couldn't connect the dots to get to the money. And yet there's, there's $369 trillion in global household wealth. Uh, there's no lack of money. And there's 7.4 billion people on the planet, countless opportunities. Those are all the building blocks. But, you know, you have to be connected to the right people. Not the smartest people, the right people. Right. No that that makes that makes a lot of
1: sense. Now, so let's talk about this kind of entrepreneurial experience. You you talked about it a little bit about growing up and how you were bullied and and maybe kind of made to feel inferior and you kind of. You kind of picked up what somebody was laying down, and, and then before too long, some other folks, um, as you you know as, as you got around more mature people, they said, hey, you're pretty sharp, um, and, and then you started picking up what they were laying down. So you fast-forward through that process and becoming that entrepreneur. Can you talk about that experience and maybe some of the fears that you had as you transitioned through that and how you overcame those?
2: Yeah, you know, when I was in the corporate world, uh, I was so shy. I, if I had to go to a corporate event, I'd hang out in the corners and I would go late and leave early. <laughs> and but I looked around and I saw these other people getting promoted, and they weren't working any harder than I was, you know, was, and uh, didn't appear to be any smarter than I was. And I figured out in the corporate world, there's this underlying unknown uh, organizational power grid, which is very different than the org chart. And I knew I had to learn to network and I picked up how to win friends and influence people and started just saying hello, hi to people. And, you know, I found out they kind of liked me and I found out everybody's got a problem. And that alleviated a lot of my fear. And, you you know, you need to learn to focus on the other person and figure out how to add value. But I was in the corporate world, um, had given a speech at MIT. Somebody handed me a Wall Street Journal and they'd done a study on how to become financially independent. And there were five ways, be a doctor, a lawyer, inherit it, or marry it. And I thought, well, those are out. <laughs> and number five was start a business. And that was like how you create 90% of the wealth. And I went, start a business. How hard could it be? And and I went and got a $1.2 million SBA loan. And stupid me did a franchise restaurant. And, you know, at about year seven, I think it was, I figured out, you know, I was going broke. And, and I went to a bankruptcy attorney just shaking. I was so scared. And at that point, I wasn't sleeping nights. Um, and he looked at it and he said, you know, you're, you're not even close. And I said, but I'm broke. I don't have any more money. And he said, listen, they can break you, but they can't eat you. And that was the best advice. And with that, I learned to kick fear to the curb and literally embrace these as challenges that I could learn from. And that has made all the difference in the world for me because I, I was fearful. So, you know, one of the most important things that that I learned from that experience was really to embrace fear and because it was a learning opportunity. And what ended up happening is... Um, I learned and it really propelled me to the next level. And I say, everybody say yes to the universe or to God. And when these situations come up, it's it's a thank you. Uh, And I'd read somewhere there's a famous quote, and I don't know who it was, but but it was God only sends angels. And, And so much that you were saying, it really is true. The worst things in my life actually put steel up my spine.
1: That is that is powerful right there. The worst thing since steel up your spine to strengthen you. That's that's good stuff. So let's let's talk about investments. Maybe one of the best investments you've made. It could be time. It could be money. It could have been in someone. But what's an investment that uh, you've made that, that you really feel like was a very wise and, and, and got a good return on it?
2: Well, you know, I love to mentor people. So um, I, I met Richard Swartz. In in Salt Lake, he had came out of the academic world. He was working for a a billionaire. Uh, And my advice to him, honestly, was, you know, you need to learn to dress better, get a fancy watch, uh, and broaden your network outside of the the regional area. Um, And uh, fast forward five years, he now does uh, work with the Gates Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, um, and he works for a billionaire out of L.A., And, you know, it's always such a joy to me to see someone that has potential to really catch fire and just realize there's just a few things to do. And, and, you know, the sad thing is sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And and so it's just critical to open yourself up, be a little vulnerable, uh, get a mentor. I often tell people, ask three of your friends, what are the top three things about me that are great? And people are usually stunned to find out, you know, it was like me when I was, I think, 38. I finally started admitting to people I was shy, and they laughed at me. And I had no clue that I was never seen as shy, that that was just my internal fear. Um, And, you know, years ago, I think I was 28, I gave a speech, and it was just like this local little dumpy group. And a lady came up to me, and she said, you know, I'd like to be your agent. You're, you know, you're going to give lots of speeches. And I just laughed at her, and I said, oh, not me. Um, I, I quit counting after I'd hit 500 speeches. I, I mean, in two weeks, I'm uh, speaking to a group of 300 investors in Portland, and the next week, I'm in India keynoting a group of 1,000 entrepreneurs. So, you know, oftentimes, other people can see grace in us or our strengths, and, and you need to find that out because oftentimes, it's just a small little adjustment, you know, talking to the, a, a different person you know getting out of your comfort zone because you know the the world today there's just opportunities everywhere
1: you know that's that's great information because like you mentioned hey sometimes, uh, you are unconsciously, you know, incompetent and in that you don't know what you don't know. And uh, and, and if, if someone else kind of brings you up to speed, they may give you some, some great information or it may be something that's already there, you were just unaware of it. So that's a great example of, you know, where you were talking about you thought you were shy and this, that, and the other, and others brought the best out uh, in you. So I really, the great information. And, and touching on that dress better, you know, the watch and those kind of things, you know, the, the reality is, is that some people, Unfortunately, in the day, we, we talked about a little bit about race earlier, racism. Um, p- people are going to look at you a certain way, and I get it. I mean you don't have to have nice clothes to, to be smart or to be able to clearly articulate something or whatever the case is. But the way I've always looked at life is, is that the things that I want to accomplish – I got enough stuff stacked against me that I can't overcome that the things that I can I am going to do. I'm going to dress nice, I'm going to comb my hair I'm going to be well groomed and manicured I'm going to try to speak professionally and and not go out and overindulge in anything you know when I'm out in, in in public and those types of things and I think that you you know having that tough conversation with that gentleman uh absolutely looks like it just changed his life. He's the same person he was. He just tweaked a couple things, and it's yeah. relatively minor things. So yeah, right.
2: And you, years ago, I, I was going to be on an Oprah show. It didn't come to fruition, but uh, you know, I decided that I would go to a stylist, and you know, she said to me, you know, you need to either get a Rolex or Cartier, and and I thought, now isn't this nuts? I, I, you know, why should I have to dress to impress? And she said to me, look, if you're a CEO. Uh, You need to act the part, sound the part, and look the part. Um, And early on, I I mean, I worked for the governor of the state of Idaho after being a a social worker. And a woman in the office took me aside and said, you know, you need to quit wearing polyester dresses and your um, uh, Avon jewelry. Now, you know, I went home and cried. Uh, You know, I wasn't raised anything to do with money uh, and I thought my clothes from Sears and Pennies were just fine. Uh, but I decided from that point forward, I was going to um, educate myself. And, and I noticed I can get on a plane with Levi's and people won't give me the time of day. Uh, but if I've got on my Cartier watch, which, by the way, I bought at Costco for half price <laughs> um, and a bespoke uh, jacket, uh people treat you totally different and it's sad but it's just the fact it's one of those you know one of my other favorite quotes is by Einstein if you're going to play the game you better know the rules you know what and people Man. do judge you in in milliseconds mm-hmm. that that is
1: great information and you don't have to like the game you just got to know the rules And, hey, you got to make a decision of, you know, what do you want to do with them? So that is fantastic, great stuff for our ambitious listeners. And if you like what you're hearing, let three people know right now. Take a second, let some other people know the great nuggets that you're getting from these guests and how that they can apply them. And if you want to be notified of new shows via text messaging, you can just text the word ambitious to 69922. That's ambitious to 69922 standard messaging rates apply see the website for full details and after a quick break we're going to hear more from judy about what she's planning next right here on the ambitious radio
3: network
0: As we get back into the show, let's give a shout out to our great sponsors, all3reports.com. That's all, the number three reports with an S.com. You know, many people check their credit every three to five years when they're financing a home or maybe when they're purchasing a new vehicle, but if there is an issue, it could be too late to do anything about it. So go to all3reports.com to find out more. Speaking of a new vehicle, a wise person once said, Lease what depreciates, buy what appreciates. So go to Autoflex Leasing, they offer a better way to lease your next car. America's largest independent leasing company is Autoflex Leasing. Doug?
1: All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we are talking to Judy Robinette. She is a great connector of people. She's written a book about it that was recognized by Inc. Magazine as the best business book, number one in all the business books in 2014. And she is just giving me a ton. I'm just making notes all over this paperwork with all the great notes <laughs> that she's sharing with me. So I hope you guys are doing the same thing. But let's talk a little bit about what's next. I mean, what else are you working on? I know you kind of alluded to the fact that you talked about a new book that's coming up.
2: Um, so, so what's that new book and what else are you working on? Uh, my new book is Crack the Funding Code. And this, this is really funny. So I was asked to co-author a book uh, never ever planned to be an author by a friend who teaches part-time at Stanford. And he'd been an angel investor. And he said, Judy, you you raise money better than anybody I've ever seen. Let's do a book on how to get funded. And I said, okay. And in the proposal, I'd listed 50 people that I knew. I'd been to India, met uh, Ruben Abraham, who raised a lot of George Soros money. I had a couple of billionaires. I had this list of 50 people I was going to interview for the book. And my agent called me and she said, you know, I thought you only lived in Utah and Idaho. And I said, well, yes. She said, oh, you must have gone to Harvard or Stanford to know these people. And I said, no. And she said, you know, we need to do this book on networking. And I said, not me. I think it's icky and manipulative. And she said, you know, we'll we'll change the title. And I didn't think it would sell, and it, it did. But now, just from doing Crack the Funding Code program, I've learned so much more about helping people get funded, um, that I want to share those lessons and make a difference uh, to people. Because you know, the bottom line is, uh, you get treated best when you've got money, and, and that's when you have more options and more opportunities. Um, you know, other things that I'm doing, I'm flying to uh, Florida in about three weeks and doing a, a series of, of uh, video trainings, and and I think the name of the group also is ambitious. But so I just, you know, probably the most important thing to me is just share the message that uh, you come to this earth with gifts, and, and you are to make the world a better place. And you can do nothing without other people. Other people write the checks, they know the deals. Um, and so that was, you know, the message of, of that book. And so I do speak on that. I'm really proud. I just got my Uh, Chinese editions of my book that just came out. And it's also now available in in Spanish. So and and I work on on deals. Uh, You know, I've I just helped fund a 20 million dollar project. So I just I just love anything that is a challenge and that I can learn and that I can help people. You know, and it's it's what she's saying, guys, is
1: not just some kind of baloney she wrote in a book. Literally in in one of our kind of pre interview conversations, we get to talking about some stuff and she talked to me about a book and sent me some information and had any connection with this person. And then I've literally got a folder now saved with four or five to dos that were just connecting and it just it was a natural flow in our natural conversation, but her taking action that was kind of unsolicited and, and it was but it was to my benefit. It wasn't for her benefit. It was my benefit. So if you are one of those kind of people that you know the connecting and and the networking and you think it's all, you know, icky or you know whatever kind of comments that she was making about it earlier, you know the reality is that that you cannot do it all on your own. It, it it's kind of like the, you know, uh on that book Atlas Shrugging, you know, he's got that that the earth on his shoulders. You can't carry the weight of the world on your shoulders by yourself. You need others and with uh, many hands, it lightens the load. And, and there's opportunities to, to get engaged. And I'm I'm interested. I've always been, a, I feel like a pretty good connector. Uh, Just my personality style is that way. But I think it's just a natural gift that I've had. I haven't, you know, purposely trained on how to do it better. And I am very interested in going through the book and learning for myself and, and figuring out how can I do it better if I'm purposeful about helping other people. Zig Ziglar used to say... If you will just help enough other people in life, you will always get what you want. And I know it's very consistent with, with what you're doing because you've, you've done that with me. Uh, and so with, with with that being said, let, let's talk a little bit about kind of what drives you. What, what drives you to be that connector? Is, has it always been natural for you and you didn't realize it, or did you have to be purposeful to get to that point?
2: Um, you know, I think what started was I'm, I'm curious, so I like to, to learn, and when I got over my fear of talking to strangers, uh, and by the way, research shows we only talk to 2% of strangers, oh my gosh, the wonderful people you're missing in your life by not just um, saying hello. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I'm in Jackson Hole uh, right now, and up the road is an attorney that is globally renowned in the venture capital world. I met him just talking on a plane one day. And if I had buried myself in a book and not have at least said hello and smiled. And so, you know, and, and, and the secret with strangers, i I really had to think about this when I was writing my book was what I did uh, because I do a lot of it natural now. And it's you ask a question or you offer a sincere compliment and, you know, just start doing that. And, and then you start seeing, and then the other piece to realize is the reason the five fifty-one hundred is in the title, at 100 people, groups fall apart. And so you don't need gazillions of people. None of those people will ever help you. I, I mean, you want to be very careful. If you get 25 to 50 really quality people in your network, <clears throat> that is um, people that are connected to money, uh, because someday you may want to run a business, start your own business. You're going to need to ask for money. If you have people in media, if you have people in different industries, and then not only you know in your city, in your region, in your state, across the United States, and then eventually go global, uh, those 25 to 50 people, any goal you have, you can reach. And so my basic formula is quality relationships plus strategy to a very specific goal. And I'll find people that either don't have the dots. They don't connect the dots, or more importantly, they don't leverage the dots. And, and it took me a while to really, um, you know, particularly figure out uh, the leverage piece. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, the Zig Ziglar thing used to, like, really confuse me. It's like, I'm helping everybody, I'm helping everybody, I'm helping everybody, and I'm not seeing anything. Well, I learned a lot, but when it became clear to me where I could apply... Uh, my strengths and what situations that I could be paid well so I was clear on my goal, Uh, then that helping piece came to fruition. So part of it you help regardless because that will create synchronicities uh, and luck. I mean, if you think in life, the most important things that have happened to you, whether it was things you planned and worked towards or luck, uh, it's usually luck. But luck is about positioning so you know, uh, talking to a stranger on a plane, going to a group—I, I, you know—I was asked to sit on the finance committee for a governor's race in Utah, and within three three meetings in Park City, I met I think five billionaires, and and that was volunteering. And you can do the same thing at United Way. I mean, so there's there's many ways that you can meet people. And I found that a lot of my assumptions when I was young were wrong. I thought the wealthy people were greedy. uh, They didn't care about the rest of us. uh, And and that's not true. Uh, I mean, you find out 5% of the people in the world are crooks, criminals, you know, frauds, fools. Um, and, And it took me a while to learn that. But the rest of people will help you, but you have to ask.
1: You have to ask. Okay, guys, you hear that? You have to ask to get connected so that is uh and and i I do i think that zig ziglar quote when you look at that if if you do all the helping all the time but you you never ask you could be doing just a lot of volunteering and a lot of good work which there's nothing wrong with that but if you want to accomplish something you know uh i heard one of uh uh a person one time her name was brenda anderson but she she was related to she was relating this to salespeople she said salespeople timid salespeople have skinny kids and, you know, you got to ask for it if, if you want it, because it's not likely somebody going to come drop it in your lap if, uh, you know, if, if you're not asking for it. So that's that's good stuff. Now, let's talk about mentoring real quick as we close out this segment. Uh, who's mentoring you? Who's who's pouring into you? And how do you make that determination of who you let, uh, you know, influence you?
2: Um, you know, so I, I read a book once uh, by a woman named Eileen Shapiro, Harvard grad, McKinsey, top consultant. And I was so impressed, I decided I would call her office and request some information. And and I called her office, and to my horror, I got her on the phone. And I was almost tongue-tied, you know. I, I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't have her credentials. And I ended up talking to her, and I said, you know, could I call you back again? She said, of course. Well, I ended up going to Boston. I've only met her once, but we've done deals together now for 10 years. And so I will listen to my heart, uh, and I've done this two or three times with authors uh, that I just reached out on LinkedIn or Twitter, um, and, you know, that, that's one thing that I, I do, and, and I consider many of these people mentors because they have uh, superior knowledge, uh, deep, rich knowledge in areas that I may not know. Now, you can't know it all. And so, you know, part of the reason of having that 25 to 50 go-to people is those are people with gravitas and, and knowledge that can, can help you. Um, but, um, and, you know, the, the reading has been really helpful to me. Um, you know, Eileen is, um, uh, you know, loves Shakespeare, the, the arts. And so as I've gotten older, I really try to focus on gaining wisdom. Um, and from almost you know any source that I can, I you'll, you know your re- people will probably find this funny, but I love Joel Olstein. I listen to him every Sunday morning, and I got hooked on him because of his jokes. Uh, but I found many of his stories uh, had you know profound lessons, and actually listening to him made me a better speaker. I've tried to apply uh, what he does when I'm I'm speaking. So I will pick up, uh, as you would call, lessons learned from mentors. And I've actually met Joel. He came to Salt Lake and uh, signed books, and, and I met him, and then I went to the service that, that he had locally. So uh, not one person, but, you know, I, I do look for, for great people. And the secret is, and I'd read this research, that when you meet a stranger, you very quickly first look for a level of warmth. You know, or is this a caring human being? And, and that's important because it rules out the sociopaths. And then number two, do they have some level of competency? You know, you don't want a crazy person or whatever. But I've added a third component to that, and that's generosity. Because just because someone can help you doesn't mean they will. And, and you want the people that will. And, and I used to say, I'd only let people in my network who had a good head, a good heart, and a good gut. And I finally boiled it down to, is this person a Martha Stewart or an Oprah? Now, they're both billionaires. They're really good at what they do. But if I had to have one that I could trust with my back and my future, it's Oprah.
1: Mm, that is that is fantastic, wise uh, comments. And there's a lot of people that can do a lot of things, but who's going to have your back, you know, when it's, all, when it's all said and done. So after we hear a brief word from our sponsors, we'll be discussing more with Judy, what she does to recharge her ambitious body, mind, and spirit right here on the Ambitious Radio Network.
4: Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God or what they say? Can the government, or even your employer, force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers, and if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. This is Kelly Shackelford, president of First Liberty. We're the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90 percent of their cases. We've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to the local schools. If you want hope for religious freedom, go to firstliberty.org and get your free In God We Trust window clean. That's firstliberty.org.
0: And we're back in here on the show. It's Ambitious Radio Network, recharging the ambitious mind, body, and spirit made possible by RepairMyCreditNow.com. You know, having bad credit can be really draining. It's okay to not be okay as long as you're on the road to being okay. Let RepairMyCreditNow.com help get you back on track. You know, many of our ambitious listeners prefer to listen to books as opposed to reading them. Now, with that, we've teamed up with Audible.com to offer you one free audiobook. Just go to AmbitiousRadio.com, click on the Audible banner on the page to find out more. Back to the show now with Doug Parker.
1: All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network today. We've got Judy Robinette. She's a successful entrepreneur, and she is an author. She does all kinds of great stuff, invests in people, connects people, and really, I can tell, just has a, a great, genuine heart, makes good decisions, and gets around good people so um you know let's talk about when you know kind of recharging i mean you're 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 doing a whole bunch you're traveling you're all over the place you're giving these speeches you you mentioned you're going all over the world so when you kind of get a little bit out of juice your batteries are a little low what do you do to recharge
2: so when i used to be terrified and afraid when i was younger i would go to my cave for dark chocolate <laughs> But now that, you know, I've learned to kick fear to the curb, uh, you know, I'm sitting here in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I I was out watching the baby buffalo and I went looking for my favorite grizzly bear who has two cubs that I saw uh, about three weeks ago. So I love to go to the mountains and uh, these spectacular uh, places of quiet where you can, you know, reflect and and see the stars at, at night. Now, when I travel, like when I'm going to India, I'll spend three or four days uh, going around, seeing sites. I'll go see the Taj Mahal. They'll be my second time. And, uh, for instance, if I'm in, you know, Paris or Madrid, I, I go to the art museums. Just fantastic, wonderful art. I also love to listen to music.
1: What type of music do you
2: like? Oh, all kinds. You know, everything from the Beatles from my youth to, uh, you know, Nickelback. Um, all kinds, spiritual, everything.
1: You know, it's uh, it, it's it's always good. It just you know, depends on the mood. But but I'm a I'm a music uh, junkie also, and it, it really doesn't matter. I'll listen to any any type of music almost. Now you mentioned gardening was something that you like to do. Now do do you have? Is it a? Wh- tell me about wh- what does this garden look like?
2: Oh my gosh! So I inherited two homes that are on an acre and a half. Uh, so I've got. Um, You know, spring flowers, bulbs. I think I've got every daffodil known to man, probably the tulips as well. Uh, So in my gardens, I make sure there's stuff that is beautiful and flowering from the time the snow gets off the ground till it's back on the the ground. Uh, I have a vegetable garden. Uh, You know, I've got five rows of corn and seven rows of potatoes, and I'm eating uh, uh, tomatoes now. So... And, and you know that was the greatest gift of moving to this little community is that I spent time with my grandmother, who I loved, and she taught me how to garden, and so many lessons I learned there. From you know, you've got to plant the seed, yeah, you know, you've got to you've got to care for it, uh, but you also have faith that it will it will uh, have you know wonderful produce on it, and that you know things take time to mature before the harvest. Um, and, and I find gardening really relaxing and it kind of takes me back to my childhood.
1: You know, that's, that's, that's great uh, content. You know, you you hear about the, the law of the harvest and you reap what you sow and you reap more than what you sow. And again, there's some, some biblical ties, you know, in, in there as well about seeds getting cast in, you know, in different areas and how they sprout up and how they multiply. But it, it truly is a biblical principle and it's, you know, people talk about being busy all the time. And you know, imagine a farmer going out saying he's too busy to plant seeds, you know, during the season that, that seeds need to be planted. Uh it, it doesn't end well for someone like that. And yeah. so you yeah. always have to be in a you know in the right season of, of what's going on.
2: Yeah. And it's important that you realize that that you can, you know, your gifts are, are seeds. You you don't know who that person you're helping, what it could mean to their family or their kids. And it can be as simple as a hello, a kindness given to a stranger. And this is particularly true with the elderly. But if you just share a report, you make an introduction to someone, you invite them to an event, those things. I have people come and talk to me, you know, 15 years ago I gave a speech and I mentioned one sentence that changed their life. And it wasn't even the top most important thing in the speech. And so it's important, you know, again, like cast your bread on the waters. I mean, you have gifts Share your knowledge and wisdom with others.
1: Share your knowledge knowledge and wisdom with others. That that's uh, just you know, you know really you can't put value on that. You really cannot. It's it's significant. Now um, uh, again, we're kind of you know the recharging and all those kinds of things. Are you a person that likes to take vacations? I know you said you were in uh, Jackson Hole, but are you are you on
2: vacation now? Or are you on business or both? You know both. Um, I rarely um, I get I get bored easily. Um, I mean, sometimes I do go. Um, I mean, I've certainly gone to Maui scuba diving and and stuff like that where I didn't have a Wi-Fi connection. I uh, but for instance, I went to Puerto Rico judged pitch events and took a couple of extra days and went up in the rainforest. You know, there's no Wi-Fi, no nothing. So I do that. But often, you know, if I'm invited to speak internationally, I will make sure that that I take time. But I don't think I've taken like a two-week vacation ever in in my life, Um, and you know, just really haven't.
1: Well, you know, it's it's uh, some some you know some people can is I guess some people have time to do those kinds of things, but they may not have the money to do it, and the ones that have the money don't seem to have the time to do it, uh, or the 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 patience for it. I have found. That anything more than about a week for me is stressful because I'm just I, I enjoy work I like the the grind I like the the coming up with ideas and all the different things and you know when you're unplugged for a certain amount of time it's like you know it it's it's great for a little while but personally I can't do it for too long
2: so um,
1: do you have a favorite place that you like to to travel?
2: Yeah, you know my favorite place in the world is Yellowstone. Uh, I, I mean the grandeur if you if you haven't been. You can only imagine Lewis and Clark, uh, and it, there's millions of acres. Uh, almost everywhere in the park you look out, and it's, it's the way it was when Lewis and Clark saw it. You know, there's no big rise hotels. There's nothing. There's antelope, buffalo, elk, grizzly bears, black bears, wolf packs. Um, and, and I love that. Uh, but likewise, I, I love to go to New York uh Paris um and uh you know see the the sites and visit the art museums.
1: Well I, I'll tell you what ma'am this has been great uh great information. You 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 did a fantastic interview and there's there's uh a couple things that that we'll put on uh your show page as well, your show notes page as we wrap up, but there's a, a top ten um, kind of tips for power connecting that, that we'll put on there. Uh, we don't have time to go through all those right now, but if someone wanted to interact with you, are you social? Do you, do you get on the, the Facebooks and the Twitters and those kinds of things?
2: Yes, I'm on Twitter. I mean, reach out to me on LinkedIn. My email is judy at judyrobinette.com. There's no E on the end of Robinette. Uh, and I truly help as many people as I can. So um, I am very social. Uh, I think I'm over 10,000 Twitter followers effective this week. So <laughs> Well, congrats on that, man. That's that's good thanks.
1: stuff. Well, thank you again for coming on. I, I truly know that you are a connector and you have a heart for helping people, and I'm appreciative of that. I, I look forward to seeing where this relationship uh, has an opportunity to go in the future. And if I can be a resource for you in any way, you know, please let me know. But thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I've I've loved talking with you. All righty, ma'am. Well, guys, tune in on Wednesdays to Ambitious Radio, where we interview thought leaders and exciting entrepreneurs changing the faces of their organizations. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. So go out there and be ambitious.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ambitious Radio Network, hosted by serial entrepreneur Doug Parker. Join us weekly as we have engaging conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders on topics that can be applied immediately after listening. Like what you've heard? Listen to other interviews at ambitiousradio.com or subscribe on iTunes.